Remap is the ultimate conflict of interest because here we have the aldermen picking their own voters. And that's not right. It's ultimately a political process, which shouldn't be because it is that ultimate conflict of interest. Hello, and welcome to the Cloudcast. I'm Erin Haggerty, and I'll be your host this week. If you didn't know, Chicago aldermen are in the middle of their once-in-a-decade task of redrawing the city's 50 ward boundaries to match with the city's ever-shifting populations. So far, three different map proposals have surfaced, and aldermen blew past a critical December 1st deadline for voting on a map. The past couple weeks have seen members of the Latino Caucus and the Black Caucus going to bat to ensure their communities are represented fairly for the next 10 years. Council committee meetings have gotten heated, and some aldermen, who are not necessarily known for brash comments, have put their feet down. This week, we are talking with Bill Cameron, who retired this year after covering City Hall, or as he calls it, the best show in town. With multiple ward remaps under his belt as a reporter, Bill Cameron puts into context for us this year's ward remap, which is guaranteed to stretch into at least the first part of 2022. He also talks with us about implications of past remap battles. All right, let's get to it. Well, I first came on the beat in 1970 working for WMAQ Radio, We Must Ask Questions. And then later when it was sold, uh, joined WLS, spending half a century covering, uh, you know, the best show in town, Chicago politics. And the first remap was in 1970. An independent alderman, Bill Cousins, who later became a judge all the way up to the appellate court, uh, challenged the 1961 census and got some changes made in 1971 so that the white domination of the way the wards were drawn was changed. The big remap though was in 1980. In uh, 81, the Verdoliac forces, a white majority in the city council, of course, drew wards so that they would retain power. And this created uh, the 2921, uh, split of the city council that led to the council wars when Harold Washington shocked the world and won in 83. They took it to court and the courts decided it was so bad they had to uh, do a 1986 special election in which the judges found that no less than seven of the 50 wards were drawn to dilute the, uh, dilute the voting opportunity of seven of Latino and black wards. And when they redrew it, we elected people in special elections after a runoff of people like you know today, uh, Louis Gutierrez, who became alderman of the 26th ward, went on to become congressman. I always remember Harold Washington congratulating him on winning a special election over Manny Torres in the 86 runoff by calling him Little Louie very affectionately. <laughs> and uh, that, that produced a 25-25 split in the city council. And under the law, the presiding officer, the mayor of Chicago could break a tie. And so finally the Berdoliac 29's control over how to spend the money, and that's what it was really all about. Control of the money finally got uh, control in 1986. Unfortunately, he died in 87 down in uh, November. 
So is what you're saying is the, um, I guess, compared to the ward remap that we are in the middle of or in the beginning of the middle of um, currently, is it is this pretty tame, would you say, compared to um, past remap fights, if you would call it that? Or, you know, does this have the, the chance to get even more heated than we've, we've seen so far, I guess, and in, in really in the past couple weeks here? I, I think tame is too weak a word, but it's certainly not as vigorous as the uh, 1985 saga that led to the 86 elections. And even now we have uh, both sides in what I've been reading, uh, both sides are kind of exceeding to Mayor Lightfoot's you know, admonition that, hey, we should not let this go to referendum and create the expense of all the lawyers' fees. I mean, that's who really makes out in these fights, the lawyers, right? And, and it seems like the rhetoric lately has been toned down between the Black Caucus and the Latino Caucus. So this may end up somehow a compromise generating the 41 votes you need to pass a remap and avoid a referendum. Could you expand on that a little bit? Um, you know, the, the lawyers for each side really benefiting from, you know, a long drawn out fight over, over ward boundaries? Is there, is it just them or is there anyone else who, who benefits from, from a long you know, remap process like that? Well, the lawyers make out because their meters are clicking and they run up hundreds of thousands of dollars of fees, which the taxpayers have to pick up. Uh, back in the 85 fight, uh, the Verdoliac 29 wanted to block uh, paying the fees of the, uh, the 21's lawyers. And that was a fight unto itself. Uh, but of course, the other big winners are the political winners, the Black, Latino, or white tribes, if you will, depending upon the outcome. It's a very, very close census finding this time. I see that the estimate by census is that these days, 31% of the city is white and 30% of the city is black and 29% is Latino and Asian Americans is seven. So in that, in that competition, it's no surprise that you would have a vigorous fight over representation. Uh, I should also point out that REMAP is the ultimate conflict of interest because here we have the aldermen picking their own voters. And that's not right. You should have an independent commission as Madeline Dubeck has advocated and has put forth a map that seems more fair with much more visibility and accountability and transparency. But that of course is not getting enough aldermanic support to push it to a referendum. So it's ultimately a political process which shouldn't be because it is that ultimate conflict of interest. Yeah, and that map, I mean, I don't think it has any official aldermanic support at this point, I think. Alderman Marty Quinn from the 13th Ward has said that he has said that he supports it, but I last I checked, he was not signed on to it, um, you know, officially in on the city clerk's website. Is there is there always a push for <laughs> an independent commission like that? Does this happen every year or is change 
slowly coming or the, you know, guise of change? Well, independent commissions kind of got invented in the early 2000s, late 1990s. I think the state of Washington adopted the one for its remap back in 1990-something or other. And then the push began in Chicago as one of the reforms of many things that have been evolving since machine politics has been slowly in decline. Um, but historically, there were no less than five adjustments to ward maps in the 70s and 80s. So that gives you an idea of how what a losing cause it has been, but expensive to get a little change made so that you didn't dilute the rights of uh, minorities. In that instance, you're saying a map would be introduced and it would change maybe five times and then it would get approved. Is that? Well, what I'm saying is through the 70s and 80s, no less than five of the remaps had mm -hmm. to be adjusted when the courts ordered it or when a deal was made to do it to avoid the courts. Um, you know, it's just a constant struggle of one race refusing to give up power to another. Here I see you have the Black Caucus initially wanting 18 majority Black wards. Now they're saying 16 in a bid to compromise, but it's really 17 when you consider Alderman Walter Burnett Jr. is the Alderman, the Black Alderman of a majority white ward. And you have the Latinos who now have 13 wards saying they want 15, but the so the so-called coalition map from the Black Caucus gives them only 14. The only thing they seem to agree on is changing Bridgeport to make a majority Asian American ward, which is progress, but doesn't get the deal done. Yeah, and, and the current alderman of that ward uh, Alderman Patrick Daly Thompson doesn't agree, it seems, or, you know, doesn't seem to think that um, you should have that 50% plus representation uh, of, you know, Asian residents in, in that ward. So he's just, he's just trying to protect the long legacy of white control of Bridgeport. Mm -hmm. And he has, you know, a little clout lately because he's one of the three indicted aldermen, indicted sitting aldermen. I don't think I've ever seen three sitting aldermen indicted at the same time. Yeah. Do you think any, well, you know, one of those is uh, Alderman Kerry Austin, the 34th Ward. And, and right. it's been, you know, well noted that her... Her thirty, her far south side, thirty fourth ward is going to move north to kind of make up for the um, or absorb the exploding population in in and near downtown. But do do an indicted aldermen stand a chance in getting what they want out of a a ward remap and getting reelected? I mean, it, it's kind of you know a bit early to well, maybe not too early to think about. Re-election, well, but well, that's why you draw award boundaries, right? To get <laughs> to get reelected. This time, I don't think indicted aldermen have much clout. You've got Carrie Austin there retiring, and it may be part of a deal for her, you know, to make a deal to get out from under her indictment, you know, resign from office. Uh, you've got uh, Thompson, who we've talked about, 
part of the Daly family, uh, who is uh, set to go to trial. I've forgotten which month it's in, but it's been delayed. I think it's uh, sooner than later. But, you know, with everybody else willing to create an Asian American alderman, I don't think he has any chance of getting reelected. The interesting one is Alderman Ed Burke, who, uh, you know, has been involved in Mac making for half a century and is said to have been insinuating himself into this one. Yet the current coalition map changes his ward and the mayor has said she would veto any remap that he's involved with. So I would say there's a good chance, well, you can never count him out. There's a good chance that if Ed Burke stands for re-election in a redrawn ward, it would be harder than ever for him to get reelected. Although, you know, he got reelected last time under indictment. <laughs> this is what makes it the best show in town, right? Right. Absolutely. <laughs> you, you think something might be impossible, but yeah, like you said, you can't, right. you can't count him out. Right. Um, and we, I mean, is, is he, Alderman Ed Burke, is he operating as he has in past warder maps? I mean, I haven't, you know, heard him comment on anything. I, I know the map room is a pretty, you know, members of the public are not invited to come in and hang out in the, the map room at City Hall. What does his participation look like this de- decade compared to when he was, you know, largely heading up the ward remap? Well, this time I think he seems to be insinuating himself through a couple of aldermen, um, mainly Ray Lopez, who is described, although he denies it, to be the mouthpiece of Ed Burke. The only time you see Burke, you know, out in the open causing trouble is throwing a little, throwing sand into the machinery of doing something that Lightfoot wants to do, but throwing in delaying tactics over various things. Um, it's just interesting. He, he knows how to pull all the bells and whistles behind the scene. And he continues to have fun doing that, but he's less out in the open because he is under indictment. You know, we've kind of discussed this, but there is no normal, I guess, in in a ward remap. The city's population changes every 10 years. But is this year significantly different from past years with with the city's, you know, demographics roughly kind of being 30 percent, 30 percent, 30 percent it really isn't a lot different because, uh, you know, in Chicago politics, perhaps I'm repeating myself here, um, most things in Chicago politics are all about race. You know, Alderman learned this early in the game, and therefore it's a tug of war over who dominates mm-hmm. racially. However, we had a couple of remaps that were voted in without a referendum relatively recently. Uh, the 2000 map, and the 2010 map did get 41 votes, even as in 2010, the compromise to throw, was to throw Alderman Bob Fioretti under the bus and get rid, of, get, get rid of him because he was causing so much trouble for the sitting mayor. So you can make a deal if there's a compromise that everybody can live with. It isn't always um, you know, heading to court. The big question is where, where do you, where does the Latino caucus move? Where does the Black caucus move? Because they each, you know, have kind of said, these are our demands and we're not going to move from them. I think the Mm -hmm. Black caucus leadership 
has moved slightly from its demand for 18 black wards as you said they're now down to 17 but but yeah how do you how do you get a deal then <laughs> well you could do a deal in which you know the latinos get 14 instead of 15 the blacks uh, aldermen get not 18 but in effect 17 and the asian americans get a ward if you were to give the latinos something else which would give them some power in the next city council that could be a pledge over committee chairmanships, which is an important thing. Mm -hmm. uh, that could be a pledge on aldermanic uh, prerogative, which, you know, anything to give the Latinos more power might be the path to a deal. I guess another component of this potentially, I mean, the chair of the rules committee, Alderman uh, Michelle Harris has held several public hearings on on the ward remap, and a lot of it is the same. You know, members of different advocacy groups calling in to to comment on the map proposals, and you know, say what they they want. And a lot of it is you know, don't split up our our neighborhood or don't split mm -hmm. up our, our community. Do you think the public is more or less aware, more or less aware of of the ward remap? You know, in twenty twenty one. Um, compared to past years, or or is it always the same? Is you know a, a core group of um, people who are already involved in um, advocating for different issues? Uh, is it always them who are involved? I think it always has, and as Mayor Lightfoot said, even today people don't care about this because they care about safety and jobs, and, you know, um, because you know it's so esoteric. It's down in the weeds drawing boundaries and nobody knows what a reapportionment or a remap is and they don't care. It doesn't come up in their lives. I mean, going back to the old days in the 1970s, yes, there was the same kind of map room. It was just that finance committee chairman, Alderman Tom Keene, another guy who went to prison, used to call up the Alderman one by one and draw the map with Richard J. Daly pretending not to care, but the, the priority always was maintaining the machine power in the city council and punishing aldermen, if they could, with the boundaries that would make it harder for them to get elected if they didn't tow the party line. Mm -hmm. It's always been this way. At most ordinary Chicagoans see this as uh, you know, politicians down at City Hall just playing politics. Uh, when they get a chance to vote for a reformer, they usually do. Lori Lightfoot, for example, carried every word promising uh, reform. I think her heart's in the right place and she's been trying hard to do that, but it's just very difficult with 50 members of the city council. You know, when Chicago was born, incorporated, if you will, in 1837. Aaron, they created three districts, one north, one west, one south. They put two older persons in each of the districts for a total of six aldermen and what was then called a community council. And sometimes I think we ought to go back to that plan. <laughs> you know, do we really need more than six aldermen? And shouldn't we just go to the uh, legislature and ask them to reduce the size of the city council to five or six? And maybe 
between now and then, just have the alderman run at large. I mean, if everybody won, if everybody won city ran citywide, the result would probably be about the same, and you'd save millions of dollars in the whole process. Mm-hmm. Probably too crazy, but you know, <laughs> it, it kind of works. It, it work out works in my mind. Yeah, no, that's something I would I would love to see that shift, and I would love to see uh, the reaction. I think maybe more so to something. You probably get the same result. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Will Will that ever happen? Do you think will no. Will Chicago ever decrease the number of uh, aldermen uh, in the city? It would take an outrageous scandal to make it a public issue. Mm-hmm. But you know, we did under uh, Pat Quinn reduce the size of the Illinois House. So who knows? You might be able to cut it in half down to twenty five or something like that in the uh, name of reform and saving money. I mean. Too many of the politicians just keep stealing, right? Because they're stupid and arrogant and they see others getting away with it. So they steal too. Maybe someday reform will come in the form of reducing the size of the city council. Wouldn't count it out. Mm -hmm. And that would, I mean, benefit the, you know, the residents who say, you know, stop splitting up my community, stop splitting up our neighborhood, right? Because then a a ward could cover a bigger area rather than, you know, having five or six aldermen represent portions of of Inglewood. And, uh, you know, if if you have a city that's one third, one third, one third, white, black, Hispanic, plus a sizable minority of Asian Americans, if everybody ran citywide, you'd probably come up with you know, a distribution of aldermen that would be in line with that. I know you've mentioned, you know, how the briefly the role that different mayors have played in mm-hmm. ward remaps. And I think most, it seems like mostly Mayor Lori Lightfoot has stayed out of, you know, the, the thick of this ward remap. Um, I know well, there's she- no percentage for her to get involved mm-hmm. because she doesn't want to choose sides between the blacks and the Latinos. She'd be all for an Asian American alderman, but you know, it's tough enough for her to put together a city council majority on anything controversial. I think uh, 27 is the number in which the smallest number by which she prevailed on a hot issue. So, you know, it gets kind of uh, close, closer than comfortable. You know, Ron used to say to ensure that you get your your measure passed, you really need to line up 33 votes because you can't count on everybody else staying in line. And Lori was down to, I want to say, 27. So she's not going to join a side, black or white, in a fight over a map. She leaves it to them. Mm -hmm. And has it always kind of behooved mayors to not get involved or not pick a side? Or was it at times beneficial to get involved in this process that's largely, you know, left up to the city council. Before now, mayors were always involved behind the scenes because they wanted to ensure their power. And they wanted to ensure that they would punish an alderman who opposed them like about Fioretti. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like so much of the history of the machine, it's not that a, a mayor gives orders. It's that he may meet with aldermen or congressmen or state legislators and convey not an order, but an understanding of what they all understand they need to do 
to you know support the boss. So the mayor always has deniability. Mm-hmm. Lately, the mayor is saying, hey, let's find a compromise, a way to do this and avoid the cost and the uh, torment of litigation. That's, you know, a legitimate and public way this mayor has gone, you know, out in the open to urge compromise. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, the big issues right now are the uh, horrible crime in the streets, especially the gun violence, the insecurity in places like Michigan Avenue, the magnificent model of all places, the misery of gun violence, getting a handle on crime. And, you know, I think the big issue, even more important than that, is rising taxes. You know, what City Hall takes out of your pocket. Pocketbook issues are always dominant. And the property tax, the most hated tax, keeps going up. Mm-hmm. And uh, Lightfoot keeps proposing, even if relatively modest increases in the levy, I think that's the chief impediment to her getting reelected. So in 23, we'll probably be going through a raft of, you know, more than a dozen candidates leading to a runoff. Not Tony Preckwinkle this time, but probably a law and order candidate or an anti-tax candidate who might have a chance in a one-on-one against Lori Lightfoot, assuming she makes the cut. You know, so we saw two different kind of um, processes or, or tactics for introducing ward reboundaries. We saw the Latino caucus introduce their own, you know, fully developed map of the city's 50 wards altogether. Here it is. This is a, you know, I, they've, they've moved a bit. They've moved some boundaries um, based on feedback. Um, and I know they kind of, they caught some flack from the mayor and other aldermen for, you know, putting that forth and saying, this is what we're proposing. And then you had the rules committee, um, basically, you know, the, the city backed map um, who seemed to, you know, work perhaps with the Black Caucus. I know the Black Caucus mm-hmm. did not produce their own map. Um, is that, is it normal to kind of have those competing <laughs> um, processes for developing a map? Do you usually see, you know, several different map proposals surface before a compromise is made or is it usually done in the map room in the rules committee? It's usually done in the map room and the rules committee, although in the 2010 um, rendition of this, um, the majority did accede to the Latinos and give them 13 wards. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, the more that I think about it, the chance of a referendum probably depends not only on a willingness to compromise, but the thought by the black aldermen of whether they can win a referendum. You know, their numbers are declining. And if you instill fear in the black caucus that they could lose to the Latinos because they're growing, growing, growing Mm -hmm. as a, Louis Gutierrez once told me, you know, Bill, we're growing because my people love to have babies. And it's so true that the population of the Latino, the Hispanic population has been exploding Mm -hmm. and the population of African-Americans has dropped significantly because they've been moving out of town because of the loss of manufacturing jobs and all of the crime on the street uh, moved to, uh, you know, suburban cook and other places. So you might get a 
a deal because the Black Coalition secretly fears that they would lose a referendum to the Latinos. Mm -hmm. That's a powerful argument that they have to give serious consideration to. Interesting. And do you think, I mean, when it comes to a referendum, the potential of of losing a referendum to the um, Latino caucus, I mean, they didn't, the Latino caucus and, you know, other supporters of their map, they didn't waste any time filing their petition to put their map to referendum, right? right? So, and I'm not your average Chicagoan. I, I do a lot of research before I, you know, go, go to vote. But do you think it, I mean, they're, they're, if it does go to referendum, their map would mm-hmm. be first on the ballot, would right? It? And that would, I don't know. I've heard, you know, some thought that if you're first, if you're first, then people are more likely to vote for you because they, you know, you're just listed first on the. Uh, you know, the, convention, <laughs> the conventional wisdom on that is that's worth 5%. Okay. But, uh, you know, um, I just kind of think we might get a compromise the more I think about the chances of a Latino map on a referendum ballot propelled by effective political advertising, which is saying something, might inspire a greater Hispanic turnout than historically we have seen and might bring the Latino map home a winner. You know, one of the great things about this beat is that you never can predict what's going to happen. And there is a demographic evolution here that is a growing Hispanic vote and a declining African-American vote that, you know, might produce a fear that would lead to compromise and produce, you know, 41 votes for a map and avoid a a referendum. And I guess one more thing about you know, referendums, I think the mayor and, and aldermen have said going to referendum would be costly. It would be, you know, the unnecessary spending of, of money. But but that's also on the sides of the aldermen presenting those proposed maps, right? They have to uh, spend money on educating residents as to why, you know, their map is the best, right? That's, mm-hmm. I mean... That's not necessarily, um, you know, money for that is not necessarily coming from the taxpayers, right? That's well, it right. actually would. It actually would be if you have in city ordinance a requirement to tell the voters what's on the ballot. You know, just as the state of Illinois does send out a blue booklet for every referendum put on the ballot. Uh, that would be a taxpayer offense, expense. However, don't get the idea that these politicians are against spending money they don't have. They're happy to do it if it supports their own political cause. They're expedient in this regard. It's somewhat amazing to me that they both seem to agree that we ought to have a at least one Asian American ward because, you know, that's not in their best interest unless they think they can attract an Asian American uh, vote. Mm -hmm. So, you know, spending money is an issue for you and me and good government groups to remind everybody about wasting money, which they do by the uh, railroad car full. But, you know, it doesn't bother the politicians. That wouldn't be a, that, that wouldn't be a stopper for them. 
And do you think that's, I guess, kind of in closing, do you think the Asian American majority ward is the biggest thing to come out of potentially this, this year's ward remap, finally getting that, that ward or? Well, that's certainly one of the big ones, Mm -hmm. but whoever wins the battle over dominating over the map, especially if it's Latinos, that'll be the big news. This episode of the Cloudcast was produced by me, Aaron Hegarty, and edited by Alex Nitkin. We'll have another episode of the Cloudcast ready for your listening ears in two weeks. 